have the ability to influence and shape the lives of people with the things we say, how we act, and the choices we make with it. episode of OG Influencers, the podcast Welcome. that explores your favorite artists, favorite artists, favorite artists. That's what we'll be talking about. Cece here. And I'm Haley. Cool. <laughs> this is my voice. This I don't know. Everyone knows us that listens to this, so like, yeah. I think they know. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder if like it was like my favorite murder. Like they always say that like people switch the voices with. Mm-hmm. I feel like your voice looks like you though, and I feel like oh, my cool. voice looks like me. Yeah, I agree. But well, maybe because people... we know each other. Well, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um. Also, I I don't know. I've listened to a lot of fucking podcasts, and yeah. every almost every time I see the person, I'm shocked. Yeah. Like I follow them on Instagram, and I'm like, holy shit. That's you? Yeah. That's but it's kind voice. of a fun, like, surprise. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, this is the second episode we've recorded today. today. It's a Wednesday. You'll be hearing the first one today, right? Or maybe next week. Whatever. Today. Oh. Thanks, Graham. So Superhero. the first one was our TV one. And this one is music. Musician. Mm, musician. And Cece is going to start. And you guys, I picked, like, three icons like i'm telling you like everybody knows who these people are i'm ready if you have been alive in the past now i'm scared i'm not gonna know and then i'm gonna be like a dweeb you okay there's literally zero chance you will not know these people you i you go off you've said these people's (laughs) names in my presence before like you know so um okay fine all right i'm a fake (laughs) we'll start this what okay so this is not the musician my grandmother requested yeah but this is someone who was influenced by the musician my grandmother requested. Yeah, so here's proof that we do take your listening yes. suggestions. Susie, thank you for the request. And thanks for listening. And I'm sorry about swearing. Yeah. Sorry, Grandma, for swearing. Um, okay. <laughs> so we'll start with Madonna. Oh, okay. Go off. Yeah. Okay, we love her. Yes. American singer, songwriter, actress, and businesswoman. Ooh, oh, yeah. A boss what a ring lady. to it. All right, let's get into it. Madonna was born to Catholic parents, Madonna Louise. So she's a Madonna II. Um, she does have a cross trope happening. Yes. And I'll talk about that. Okay. Um, so born to Madonna Louise and Silvio Anthony. Her mom's name is Madonna? Yeah. Oh, my God. She's okay. a second. Yeah. And the last oh, name. That's I her think real name? Is- is yes. Madonna? Yes, her name is Madonna. Uh, this whole time I thought it was like Isn't a stage name. Isn't that wild? I mean, yeah. the full name is Madonna Sicone. I guess now that when you hear Madonna, you think of Madonna, but like before, maybe it was just a normal name. I didn't. I feel like, yeah, I mean, Madonna is, that's like Mary, right? That's oh, Mother yeah. Mary. So it's always been kind of like a Catholic thing. Okay. Um, which they are. Um, so she was born in Bay City, Michigan, another Midwestern gal. Holla. Us Midwestern people are interesting. But they all move away. That's like the theme here. I mean, here. There, nothing happens here, so you gotta, yes. gotta like leave. But. Everyone's like Midwest to one of the coasts. Yeah. Um, and But not LA because you will die of an earthquake. <laughs> Apparently now. <laughs> um, okay, so her dad, Tony, worked as an engineer designer for Chrysler and General Motors. 
And since Madonna had the same name as her mother, her family members called her Little Nani. Cute. Oh, my God. Cute. And Madonna later commented about her name. How could I be anything else but what I am having been named Madonna? I would either have ended up a nun or this. I love Madonna, but she does have a Christ complex. Yeah. (laughs) She's super Catholic. I mean, no, I mean, like, she thinks that she is God. She thinks that she is Mother Mary. (laughs) And she's, like, birthing her content onto the world. Dang. Upon being confirmed in in the Catholic Church in 1966... She adopted Veronica as a confirmation name. Weird. No one knows her as Veronica. I don't know. Is that like when you go to Spanish class and you pick a name? Or? I don't know. I've never, I mean, I'm not Catholic. I've not been confirmed. So I don't know what that deal mm-hmm. is. Um, but so on December 1st, 1963, so before she was confirmed, um, her mother died of breast cancer when oh she was only God. 30. Wait, how old was Madonna? Um, that happened in 63. When did I say she was born? Oh, in 58. So she was only like five. five. And I did read she like she was old enough to know that something was very wrong, but no one told her, hey, your mom has breast cancer. So she was just like, what's up with mom? And then mom was dead. Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. And she like rebelled as a kid because she didn't want any. So apparently, I mean, like pretty wealthy family, I guess they had housekeepers and stuff. She like rebelled because she was like, no one will replace my mother. Absolutely oh, no one. So they were wealthy. I well, yeah. If they have housekeepers, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how wealthy you have to be to have housekeepers in Michigan. But um, <laughs> no offense, Michigan. Um, <laughs> but uh, so she just like rebelled and was like, no one will, ta- no female will take care of me. Like I'm on my own. No mother. No one will replace her. Okay. Um, That's but then her father married their housekeeper oh in '66, only three years later, Ugh. and she just. Became so Madonna became so resentful and totally strained their relationship. Um, She was was, eight, like she couldn't leave. Yes, but she already was like rebellious. Like okay, man, and she went to Catholic elementary schools and middle schools. She was known for her high grade point average and achieved no notoriety for her unconventional behavior in just middle school and elementary school. Not even in trouble. Just like oh, Madonna, she's. Crazy. She would perform cartwheels and handstands in the hallways between classes, dangle by her knees from the monkey bars during recess, and pull up her skirt during class, all so <laughs> that the boys could see her underwear. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. She's eight? Or was well, middle school. Oh, yeah. Middle school. <laughs> okay. Um, Wild. Interesting. And she's got this high grade point average, so she's like... A bookworm, but also like that, that's look a at way me. to get away with it though. The teachers like you if you do well. Like if you're if you have a low grade point average and you're naughty, they're like, We're you suck. We hate you. But if you're smart and funny, you can get they, away with yeah. a lot of stuff. Oh, I bet she's funny too. Smart people tend to be yeah, kind of funny. I just assume she's funny because she's like doing cartwheels and stuff. Yeah, and got a light heart. Um, so Madonna's father put her in classical piano lessons, but she convinced him to allow her to, allow her to take ballet lessons and she became a dancer. Mm. Um, she went to Rochester Adams High School. She became a straight-A student and a member of the cheerleading squad. Um, after graduating, she got a dance scholarship to the University of Michigan and in 1978 she dropped out of college because Michigan ain't big enough, baby. Moves <laughs> to NYC. Um, yeah, she had... I know, yeah. 
She had like $35 or something. That's what she says. I feel like sometimes you downplay it. It's like a small loan of a million dollars. Yes. Like that. Um, So she says she had $35 and it was the bravest thing she ever did. But so she moves to New York City and she's a waitress at Dunkin' Donuts, which like, did they have servers at Dunkin' Donuts anymore? I don't know, but I'm interested. Yeah. I'm picturing it as like a cute diner, but like a chain diner, you know, for Dunkin' Donuts, like a cute little like, like... I want, yeah, that's like, that's how I picture it back in the late seventies. But it's still pink and orange. Yes, and they important. have the little collars and aprons that they have to wear as their serve. That's She's how I'm picturing. Skates. I'm deciding this is what <laughs> it looked like. Okay, um, I agree. <laughs> and so she, while she's there, she's also dancing. So she starts to work as a backup dancer. Okay, for artists, and while she's performing as a backup singer and dancer for French disco artist. Patrick Hernandez on his 1979 world tour she became romantically involved with musician Dan Gilroy and they lived in an abandoned synagogue in Corona Queens which that does so as Madonna's like you know eking out her ecking eking out her living what is that phrase um (laughs) struggling okay it seems like she lives with her boyfriends. So I almost wonder how much she cares Remember about some of these people. Yes. I And I think that's what she did. In I California. think she made friends and was like, I'm driven. Here's my situation. I'm going to live with and, you. And then she like convinces them that she's going to be big. I'm sure. Well, it worked. Good for her. But like it does. That is a thing. She like lives with all of these boyfriends. Yeah. And- I mean, like people couch surf. And like if you're going to be a like really beautiful woman and you're down. It's Just probably like date people. Yeah. It's probably it's probably very easy for her to find a spot to mm-hmm. stay. Um, but together, okay, so together with this guy, Dan Gilroy, that she's living with, they formed their first rock band, The Breakfast Club. Um oh. <laughs> okay. and she sang and played drums and guitar for it. Um, but then she left the band in nineteen eighty or eighty one, we don't know, because she started dating Stephen Bray, um, <laughs> new boy, and a drummer, and they formed the band Emmy. And they wrote songs together, but she later decided to promote herself as a solo act. And her (laughs) music impressed a DJ, Mark Kamins, who arranged for her to meet um, with Seymour Stein, uh, the founder of Sire Records. And after she signed a singles deal with Sire, her debut single, Everybody, was released in 1982 and Burning Up in 1983 and both became big club hits in the United States. Um, after this success, she developed her debut album, Madonna. <laughs> and yeah, she wasn't really happy with how her tracks were produced. So then she moved in with boyfriend John Jellybean <laughs> Benitez Jellybean. and um, asked him to help finishing her album's production. <laughs> he remixed her one of her most popular tracks, Holiday. Okay. Love that song. Um, which was her third single and her first international top 10 hit. Her third single was an international hit. Way to go, lady. Damn. Um, so she she's knew. dating all the right people here. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I think it's strategic. Oh, yeah. And she's smart. Know. She knows what she's doing. Like, and it's working for her. She's yeah, doing what she I has am. to do. Good job. Good job, Madonna. Um, so the over her overall sound was kind of dissonant, upbeat, synthetic, disco. Um Used a new technology of the time, the Lindrum machine, Moog bass, and the OBX synthesizer. Mm. DJ shit. Um, So her look and her style of dressing and her performances and her music videos 
influenced women and young girls everywhere. Literally everyone. Um, she became a style icon. Yeah. She started a ton of trends in the 80s. Um, her look was created by the designer Maripol, and the look consisted of lots of lace tops, skirts over capri pants, fishnet <laughs> stockings. Ashley Tisdale who? <laughs> jewelry bearing the crucifix. Yeah. Uh, bracelets and bleached hair. Madonna's popularity continued to rise. That is um, just, sorry, that's just full 80s. That's what we think yeah, of as 80s. She, and if she pioneered it, like... Shout out to Maripol, her designer, too. When like, I think of Madonna in the 80s, I... I, that's what literally what I see, like leg warmers and um, like oversized shoulder pads, like mm-hmm. with this beautiful curly blonde hair. Yeah. Love. Love. Um, so then she released her second studio album, Like a Virgin, in 94 or 1984. Okay. Not 94. Yeah. Um, I became her first number one album. And that's only her second album. It's number one. Insane. I'm just so impressed. And um, she became the first U.S. female to sell over 5 million copies of her album. Yeah. Cool. And yeah, the title track, Like a Virgin, Mm -hmm. hit the top 100 chart um, or topped the Hot 100 chart for six weeks. Okay. Big deal. And it attracted the attention of conservative organizations who complained that the song and its accompanying (laughs) music video promoted premarital sex and undermined family values. And she's like, I'm a Catholic, it's fine. Yeah, I'm Madonna. She was like, it's metaphorical. It's not literal. Like, we're not talking about virginity. We're talking about things that make us feel new, which is like, (laughs) wink, wink, Madonna. Like, when she performs the song live, she wears a wedding dress and she, like, rolls around on the floor. So, Mm -hmm. Like a ripped tool dress. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. So, we see right through you, but also, on purpose. (laughs) So, that's how she got her start. Like, that's sick. She's just working it. She believed in herself. She knew exactly what she was doing, too. Oh, yeah. And she took she took the leap, the leap to go to the coast. Not a lot of money, but she knew she's like, I've got gumption. People like me mm-hmm. and I'll find some boys to live with. Mm-hmm. And that's and she that. really did it. She did. Good on her. Um, so then we have. Grandma's request. OK, everybody knows this man's John Lennon. OK. Okay. 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 English singer, songwriter, and peace activist. Do I need to even say that? No. Um, peace activist. Yeah. Okay. All of his music. Wasn't he girl. an abuser? Oh, maybe like a drug abuser or a people abuser. I think he like abused Yoko. Did he really? Yeah. T. Well. Okay. Well, I don't know that for sure. <laughs> Just like I don't know. Shit. I don't know. I know their relationship is characteristic for like how like obsessed they were with each other. Like, to the point where it was detrimental to their other relationships. Like I know he's problematic. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. Everybody was. Um, I guess I didn't get into that too much. There's... Okay, here's the thing that's so hard. I'm just trying to, like, create drama for no reason again. <laughs> no, and you have to address it. But, like, my next... So, John Lennon and my artist after this, there's so much information about their careers. Guess what? I'm not going to get to all of it. I'm going to paraphrase. I'm going to skip <laughs> and give you the general gist. Okay. Because there's... So much. I want to hear about John Lennon. I want to hear about the Beatles. My favorite band of all time forever. They guess. And I didn't know. I mean, I didn't. I mean, you know, the Beatles iconic. I didn't know that much about them until I read. Like I knew like their music and like some certain key moments in their career. But I didn't know like everything about how they started or how Mm -hmm. they broke up or like Mm -hmm. I didn't know about how like 
their inner drama, how like John really doesn't like Paul McCartney. Like I, know. I didn't know that. How could you not? I don't know. Yeah, I whenever my mom loves romance novels, so we frequent half price books. Mm-hmm. Um when I was in middle school, you know, I was a big Beatles fan. Like we went to Summerfest together and we each got, do you remember, we got um, guitar pick necklaces? Because yeah. we used to, Haley and I used to go to Summerfest together all the time. And I <laughs> got Ringo Starr on mine. You probably got John Lennon, didn't you? Probably Paul McCartney. He's probably always Paul McCartney. Okay. But I mean, fuck. I just love them. I had all the posters in my room. I was a huge fucking nerd did about it. Did we ever it. play Beatles rock band together? Yes, that's yes. all we did. Yes, I had Yellow Submarine, bitch. That was that was the game. But yeah, I read all the books that. about the Beatles and then the Titanic. <laughs> well, why don't you correct me if I get anything wrong or if you remember okay. some good bits? No. Okay, she won't. <laughs> anyway. Okay, okay, okay. Lennon okay. was born on the 9th of October in 1940 in Liverpool to Julia and Alfred Lennon. Wait, you have to do all of this in a British accent. Oh, man, I'm about to try. <laughs> no, you don't have to. I'll just do this next sentence. Okay. We're going to try. Oh, shit. A Liverpool accent. <laughs> Liverpool. Alfred was a... <laughs> You're doing Alfred, great. I'll, I'll do... The only oh. way I can do one is like a I'll Hermione, like a oh. Harry Potter. Like... Oh, okay. And I, I say I can do it. I can't. It's hard. It's hard to it's do hard it, to it like him. just switch. Alfred was a merchant se- oh. Alfred was a merchant seaman of Irish descent who is away at the time of his son's birth. Okay, that was good. That I was tried like, so hard. That was bad. Um, his no, okay. Wasn't. So he was away at the time of his son's birth. <laughs> his parents named him John Winston Lennon after his paternal grandfather John and the Prime Minister Winston Churchill. Mm-hmm. His father Love. was often away from home, merchant seaman. Um, but sent regular yes. paychecks home and the check stopped coming when Alfred went absent without leave in the February of 1944. So for six months, poor Julia is sitting at home. The check stopped coming. Mm-hmm. Alfred's away without leave. What is he doing? He's probably moved on. So Julia moves on. When Alfred comes back after the six months, she's pregnant with another man's child. And it's kind of like, you snooze, you lose, dude. I'm not waiting around for you. So that marriage ended. Um, John Lennon then went to live with his aunt Mimi. I think Julia struggled a little bit with making good choices. And so had to go live with the aunt. I think that Mimi like kept reporting her to like social services. Like you are not taking care of this kid. And so eventually Julia was like, just take him and I'll visit. (laughs) Go off. Go off, sis. Go off, sis. Literally. (laughs) Um, His aunt purchased volumes of short stories for him and his uncle, a dairyman at his family's farm, bought him a mouth organ and engaged in solving crossword puzzles. They were tinkering and doing intellectual little things when John was young. When John was 11 years old, he would often visit his mother, Julia, where she would play him Elvis Presley records (gasps) and taught him the banjo and showed him how to play Ain't That a Shame by Fats Domino. I Here's a... Uh, quick guess. I hope your next person is Elvis. I'm going to say yes. Yes. Sorry. Okay. 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 How do you do now? Um, you know, I, I include it because I like to refer back. This is sad. My grandmother just died and Elvis was her all time fave. Mm. I love Elvis. Well, we're going to learn about him. Awesome. Um, so George, so Lennon's uncle, George died of a liver hemorrhage in 1955. So then it's just him and Mimi, Aunt Mimi. And in 1956, 
Julia, his mom, bought John his first guitar. So even mm-hmm. though Julia seems like she wasn't really able to like be the mom that John needed, she was his music influence was and she, she like encouraged it. She was more like the cra- she was more yeah. like the crazy aunt who's like, follow your dreams. I'll give you this guitar and I'll play these Elvis records and stuff. Um, so the instrument was super inexpensive and she lent him mm. the money for it. So I think he had to pay her back. Oh. <laughs> but it was the condition on the condition that the guitar stayed with Julia. So when John was playing guitar, she wanted John to be with her versus with Mimi because Mimi was not supportive of John's musical aspirations she um was skeptical Mimi was skeptical when John said he would be famous one day (laughs) and she would tell him the guitar I'll try the British accent okay the guitar's all very well John but you'll never make a living out of it okay you're like really good remember mine was like Australian oh we're we're trying (laughs) um so in on July 15th of 1958 Julia dies she was hit by a car when walking home from visiting Mimi and John Oh, super sad. And she was like the one who gave him the guitar and the music. So this kind of enters John into his rebellious phase as if he wasn't rebellious before. Well, um, yeah, him. All the Beatles were really heavily influenced by their by their mothers. Yes. And everyone always thought and maybe I'll get to this later. No, it's about now. Everyone always thought John was a bad seed because John. He like wasn't he wasn't at all impressed with parental authority. Mm -hmm. And he said, everyone thinks parents are a God. I don't live with my parents. So I know that isn't true. So from an early age, he was like, I know that this authority isn't a thing because it's not for me. So, well, and the song, let it be is about mother. Mary isn't mother. Mary. It's Paul McCartney's mom. Came to him in a dream. It's like, they all love their moms. Yeah. And oh, also, I remembered one of the reasons that John's problematic mm. as you were talking, because he has a son that he just named Sean, right? Mm-hmm, he just said, bye. You're not my son. And I'm not giving you any of my money. Literally, when he like moved on to the next person, he was like, don't care about that guy. Never contacted him. Anything. Even after all. That does seem to be a thing. He is very quick to estrange people yeah. from his life. He did that with the Beatles. Like he referred mm-hmm. to. Um, McCartney as like his divorce, his divorcee, like his ex-wife almost. Like this is a song written by me and my ex-wife, <laughs> Paul named Paul. What about George and Ringo? Well, I think he was just talking about writing the song. Yeah. <laughs> um, but okay, so at age fifteen, Lennon formed a skiffle group, which was like jazz and like blues. Ska. <laughs> Maybe it's British ska. I don't know. <laughs> um, named the Quarry Men, named after Quarry Bank High School where they went, and. So the group was really formed by Lennon. He was a leader in 1956. And at the second Quarrymen show, he met Paul McCartney Mm -hmm. and asked McCartney to join the band. So now McCartney's in the band. Um, McCartney's father allowed the band to rehearse in the family's front room. Mm -hmm. Cute. I hope that one day I'm a parent and my kid's in a band and I can be like the band parent. Yeah. And be like, it's after five. Turn it down. Spare change trio. Yes, they have a band. Parent. Jim and Angie are literally they're the band parents. Yeah, that I'm saying I want to be. <laughs> um, so during this time, Lennon wrote his first song, Hello, Little Girl, which became a UK top 10 hit for the Quarrymen in 1963. OK, so there are like it's like they they just got the talent and they're getting recognized for it. It Already. doesn't it didn't say anything about having any kind of manager or a like manager at this point. Um, 
So they're performing at McCartney's house. Um, McCartney recommended George Harrison become a lead guitarist. And Lennon thought that Harrison, who's 14 years old then, was too young. But then McCartney was like, hold up. Let's listen to him. And they were on the upper deck of a Liverpool bus Mm. when Harrison played for Lennon. And Lennon was like, yeah, we need him. Cute. That is like so... Old school. On a bus. That's a double cool. deck. That's the most British thing ever. You're okay. on a double decker bus. By the way, I was on a double decker bus and we only did it because it was like a double decker bus. We had to do it. It yeah. was so hard like to get down, to get off on your stop Is without like falling down the stairs. stairs. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like being on a coach bus with two levels. But like, so the stairs are puny and you have to make your stop. It's like hard. Weird. <laughs> British people making it hard. Okay, so then Stuart Sutcliffe, Lennon's, Lennon's friend from art school. Oh, yeah, so he's kind of also doing art school, but, like, yeah. leaving. And I think he, they say he got thrown out his last year. And his aunt, can you imagine? Mimi is like, please go back to art school. That's how much mm-hmm. she does not believe in this music career, that she's, like, pushing him for art school. Boy, was she wrong. Boy, was she wrong. Yeah, huh, Mimi. But um, I respect her, I mean. Yeah, she took care of her nephew. Practical. That was not her job, but she yeah she stepped up and did it. Yeah, she took care of John. Um, so Stuart Sutcliffe, Lennon's friend from art school, later joined as a bassist. Lennon, McCartney, Harrison, and Sutcliffe became the Beatles in 1960, where they get their manager Brian Epstein. Epstein. Ep- yep. Which one? Epstein. Epstein. Um. He managed, he managed the Beatles from 1962 until his death in 67, which was a big part of the Beatles breaking up. And he had, so Epstein had no, Steen, right? Yeah. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> he had no previous experience managing artists, but he had a strong influence on the group's dress code and look, mm-hmm. um, having them look really professional, which Len, John Lennon hated. He hated it because he was like going for more like a rocker vibe, trying yeah. to dress more like, you know, a little edgy. And, um, but eventually Lennon said, I'll wear a bloody balloon if somebody's going to pay me. <laughs> like he, At that point, he's like, I don't even care. I need money. Um, so McCartney took over on bass after Sutcliffe um, left, essentially. And their drummer was replaced by Ringo Starr. Mm-hmm. What a bummer, man, to be those guys. Yeah. I, they're hard times. Yes. Um, so the band's first single, the Beatles' first single, Love Me Do, was released in October of 1962, reached number 17 on the British charts. They record they recorded their debut album, Please Please Me, in under 10 hours in the February of ni- 1963. Seems like such a short time. Yeah. Um, but cute. And cute. Um, I'm like playing all the songs in my head. <laughs> yes. In 1987, there was an interview with Paul McCartney that... Um, where he said that pretty much like the Beatles as a group, I, like within them, they idolized John Lennon. He said he was like yeah. our own little Elvis. We all looked up to John. He was older. He was very much the leader. He was the quickest wit and the smartest. Which, I mean, he writes but like they all liked of these. them though. It's not like Freddie Mercury where they're kind of just like, come on, bro. It's about the band. Yeah. Yeah. They like, they look up to him. Okay. He's the leader. Um, So... The Beatles achieved mainstream success in the UK in 1963. After a year of Beatlemania, they mm. go on to the Ed Sullivan show in 1964, yes. which where they make this their breakthrough huge. to international yeah. stardom. 
I love the term Beatlemania. And I Beatlemania. love watching the old videos of girls like fainting and then the police are like <laughs> taking them away. I know there's stretchers and people are like, don't, you know, don't overexert yourself yeah. screaming. People you'll... compare them to literally One Direction, which I literally, it's like so annoying. But I don't think anyone will ever be as famous as the Beatles. Mm-mm. Like that was yes. the time, dude. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so after 64, their big breakout in the Ed Sullivan show, they do a bunch of touring, filmmaking, songwriting, all that jazz. Um, hit after hit. Let me see here. Um, so as they get later on in their career, they kind of go from like, I would mm. say like tamer to a little bit more drug abuse. <laughs> yeah. Like you get strawberry fields forever. Um, their whole album, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts yeah. Club Band. Um, they, it contrasted a lot with the simple love songs <laughs> earlier in the career. They're um, just like, write this down, dude. I'm having an idea. I had a thought, write it down. <laughs> Um, and they did like a lot of LSD and stuff. Oh, yeah. Like I think yeah, I read something. They were recording. I think I read something where they all took it for the first time together, and then they had to get into an elevator, and <laughs> one of them was like, "It's on fire," and then all of them were like, "It's on fire," and they were all like screaming that they were in this burning elevator. Oh, I've never. I can't confirm. And they were That's weren't. pretty funny. Yes, and so wow, the fam. There you go. Um, when they got they got into drugs when they were touring because mm-hmm. you need to be up really late and performing for hours and you know yeah. it's kind of sad how that ends up kind of having to go hand in hand um so when brian epstein died in 1967 um the band kind of goes through a crisis there's like kind of a struggle for leadership almost between lennon and mccartney yeah because they were the founders yes and kind of and the writers mccart so it's kind of like mccartney kind of took over but Lennon was like we were just going in circles like you know nothing was really nothing new was happening um so in 1968 Lennon's increased drug experimentation and his growing preoccupation with Ono like they had a rule like yeah. no wives or girlfriends in the recording studio and he started bringing Yoko Ono around and people are like dude this is like the one rule Yoko Ono broke up the band but like did she or did John I mean, it was both of them, but like, yeah. Well, everyone loves to blame Yoko, myself I know, included. But it's like, but it's like, I think it was John. You know, I mean, he—they were breaking the rules together. They were, they were. And I guess she yeah. could have refused. She could be like, "Your friends hate me. I don't want to come." But also, like, come on, he brought you. Like, that's not your job to turn that down. I know, but it's, but like, she apparently was like, "This music sucks." Like sitting in the studio, like, oh, she was really this critical. Sucks. Of like, you need to do this instead, and then her and John recorded their album and they were like, what the fuck? This sounds wow. like shit, eh? <laughs> you know? Yeah, because they, they did form the Plastic Ono Band together in 1969. Um, yeah. So, well, they got married before they mm-hmm. formed that band. Um, but Lennon left the Beatles in ni- September of 1969, but agreed to not inform the media while they were like renegotiating their recording contract. Oh yeah. But-, but then Paul McCartney left, but Paul McCartney left after John, but Paul McCartney vocalized it to the media, which made John so mad because he was trying to be respectful by not like dropping that bomb while they were still figuring out what they were doing. Yeah. But then Paul McCartney is like, the Beatles are dead. I'm a solo act. And everyone's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, like incredible. Like we have to buy 
his debut solo album, and John was so angry. He his quote uh, says, "Jesus Christ, he gets all the credit for it. <laughs> I started the band. I disbanded it. It's as simple as that. I was a fool to not do what Paul did, which was to use it to sell a record." That is why people think he's a dick because he says stuff like that. But it's, I mean, I agree with it. Like if you, okay, so maybe it wasn't like a contractual agreement, but if you agree, we're going to keep this on the DL and figure out what's going on with the Beatles. Like John should know, like John Lennon should be able Mm -hmm. to announce that, you know, maybe he should have just announced it when he decided. Maybe he shouldn't have tried to be nice, you know? Uh, Yeah. It's always like the morality thing where it's like, uh, well, and other people blame their managers, but it's like, how do we sell the records? Because now I'm on my own and I'm never going to make that much money. Yeah. Yeah. So in John's solo career, he gave us the hits Mind Games, God, Instant Karma, Jealous Guy, and Imagine. I love Imagine. Yeah. Love it so much. Um, Okay. Sad part. Death time. Mm, okay. December 8th, 1980 at the Dakota. Mm-hmm. Lennon autographed a copy of his album Double Fantasy for a fan named Mark, Mark David, David Chapman. Chapman. Outside before, of his apartment building. Yes. Before leaving with Yoko for a recording session. After the session, Lennon and Ono returned to their Manhattan apartment in a limousine. They exited the vehicle, walked through the archway of the building when Chapman shot Lennon four times in the back at close range. Mm-hmm. Lennon was rushed in a police cruiser to the emergency room of Roosevelt Hospital, where he was pronounced dead on arrival. Ono yeah. issued a statement the next day saying, there is no funeral for John, ending it with the words, John loved and prayed for the human race. Please do the same for him. Do we know why Chapman shot him? Like, was because he just he a was whack obsessed. fan? He was obsessed And with he him. just, like, couldn't handle it, so he had to, like, why? He would grew up listening to the Beatles Yeah, in his bedroom, and he was... He had mental problems. Oh, okay. And he was just obsessed with um, John Lennon, and then he went to New York. And he, I don't remember, I think he intended to do it the first time, and he was like, oh, my God, this is him IRL. And, like, he actually signed his autograph, which was crazy. Oh, so he was going to do it in the Dakota, but then. Well, he waited all day for him to come back. Oh, my God. And then he shot Oh, yeah, because they went to a recording session. Mm -hmm. So he was standing outside the apartment like normal people did. Like it was a, it was normal for fans to wait out for autographs. And it was weird that he did Mark David Chapman's and then he came back and he shot him. It's like, ooh, that's so sad. And Yoko was right there. Like, I can't imagine seeing. Oh, my God. Yeah. Trauma, I mean, that trauma, picture trauma. of his bloodied glasses is so scary. Oh, I haven't seen it. You haven't? Uh-uh. It's like iconic. Let me pull it up. Okay. Yeah. So sad. And I know I know his ashes are sprinkled in Central Park, which I feel like is just like a weird spot to do it. He loved New York. Yeah. I guess I just didn't like Central Park when I was there. So oh, I've never been here. Oof. Here's the pictures. The picture. Oh, isn't that sad? And New horrible. York in the background. Yoko took it. Dang. Scary. That's so sad. Well, you want to talk about... <laughs> John Lennon's influences yes. now. We're going to the king. Elvis Presley. I love. Singer, musician and actor. <laughs> I love Elvis. Everybody loves Elvis. It is. <laughs> he has an ice cream flavor or an ice cream. Oh, fat Elvis. Felvis. Is that a flavor? Or is that like a style? That's like, I don't like know because there are so many things called fat Elvis. Like there's state fair food and shit like that. Oh, okay. But yeah, it's an ice cream, I think, too. Yeah. <laughs> What a cutie. Okay, so we'll talk about Elvis. Um, first of all, the connection though. Sorry, I didn't really talk about um 
Madonna and John Lennon, but it, it's like a rebellion thing. Yeah. Where they like she was inspired by his like political activism and anti-war like yeah. stance and just like general rebelliousness. Mm-hmm. That's what inspired Madonna. And um John Lennon grew up listening to Elvis on the radio. Yep. He grew up and his mom played Elvis records and so you know, kind of pinnacle there. I um, love hunka hunka. Hunka hunka. <laughs> um I I didn't know so like I don't know a lot of like I know a lot of Elvis songs, but I like don't know the names, I guess. Like I could sing them because I've heard them, but I don't hear people like and this is but Heartbreak Hotel just yeah. makes me think of Lilo yes. lying on her back singing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that was like the soundtrack. It was so cute. Yeah, that was a clever choice. Yeah, Yeah. movie Leon Stitch. Um, Okay, so Elvis Presley. That's his name. That's the man. That's his name. The man himself. Stage name, same as the life name. Gyrating. Yeah. Hip. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Pelvic man. Uh, Elvis the pelvis. (laughs) People called him that. Really? Yes, they did. I thought you just made that up. He got so mad. He was so angry when people called him that. Why? He did it. Because he said it was childish and he was hearing it from adults. Okay, so Elvis Presley was born on January 8th. <clears throat> Excuse me, 1935 in Tupelo, Mississippi. What is that, I don't know. I think so. I didn't look it up. To Gladys know. Love Presley and Vernon Elvis Presley. So he's got the same first name as his dad's middle name. Cute. Um, here oh. is what I talked about last episode. Jesse Garen Presley, his identical twin brother, really? was delivered 35 minutes before him, stillborn. Oh my God. So he Wesley? was a twin. Um, Jesse Garen oh. Presley. <laughs> Wesley Presley. <laughs> God. Oh, no. Oh, okay. my gosh. That'd be horrible. Wesley Presley. Oh, my gosh. Um, Presley became <laughs> close. He became really close with both of his parents and formed an especially close bond with his mother. Mm. The family attended an Assembly of God church where he found his initial musical inspiration. Um, so his dad, Vernon, moved from one odd job to the next. Um, kind of a low ambition kind of dad and they relied the family relied a lot on help from neighbors and government food assistance oh okay and in 1938 um they lost their home after vernon was found guilty of altering a check Mm. and vernon was jailed for eight months and gladys and elvis had to live with relatives in 1941 presley entered first grade and he was encouraged to enter a singing contest after impressing his school teacher with a rendition of country song uh, during morning prayer. Cute. Okay. He sang. And the contest held at the Mississippi Alabama Fair and Dairy Show in 1945 was his first public performance. He was dressed as a cowboy. Mm. He stood up on a chair to reach the microphone and he sang the song Old Shep and he placed fifth and he had like crippling stage anxiety really? when he was young and in his okay. early career. Um, That went away. <laughs> Yeah, it did. Oh, my gosh. Over. Okay, so the following year, he received basic guitar lessons from his uncles and his church pastor. In 46, he entered a new school and he was regarded as a loner. Hmm. And the follow. And so in 1947, he began bringing his guitar to school on a daily basis, which is like it is. It's kind of like a social. Oh, no. Yeah. Like all these people. I'm kind of like. Like, even Madonna, when you were like, oh, she's doing cartwheels in the hallway. I'm like, that is the most annoying person. I think people would be like, all right, we get it. Yeah. We get it. Um, 
But also, you know, you want to let people do them. But of also, course. but also, there is an element of like, you know, like I can see why he wasn't the most popular. Like, I don't want to see your underwear right now, or like, yeah. I don't want to hear you singing during my lunch hour. Like, I want to talk yeah. to my friends. Go eat alone in the bathroom, <laughs> like everybody else. Yeah, everybody else was a loner. <laughs> um, so yes, um, he played. Oh, yeah, he played and sang during lunchtime, and was awesome often teased as a trashy kid who played hillbilly music. So he was like, everybody was eating. And there, he's like, this is like a bar set. He was playing like, Wonderwall. He was yeah. playing Wonderwall. Anyways, anyway, here's, here's Wonderwall. Wonderwall. <laughs> and everyone was like, Closing not time. again, Elvis. Not again. We <laughs> don't want to hear you. We don't want to hear this again. We get it, dude. They're like, this is the only song you know how to play. Let me eat my chicken patty. Let me eat my chicken patty. My Incrustable. Yeah, my um, personal pan pizza. My personal pan Okay. Presley Sorry. was a devotee of Mississippi Slim's show on the Tapello radio station WELO. He was described as crazy about music by Slim's younger brother, who was one of Presley's classmates and often took him to the station. So he had a friend. Mm-hmm. And Slim supplemented Presley's guitar tuition by demonstrating basic chord techniques. And when Presley was 12 years old, Slim scheduled him for two on-air performances, but Presley was so Aww. like overcome by stage fright the first time he like couldn't really do it. But he succeeded in performing the following week. So he's that working is, like, on really it. early, twelve. Yeah, he's twelve. Like you know, I was afraid to do. Must have been when really I was good. Yes. I mean, so in 1948, <laughs> they moved to Memphis, Tennessee. Um, they had to live in public housing. Okay. Um, he goes to high school. He got a C in music. Ha ha. Mm-hmm. Um, his music teacher told him that he had no aptitude for singing. Cute. I a mean, lot of people. Wrong. Yeah. A lot of people didn't like. Like. I'm going to skip through some of this. There was so much rejection. People were like, you suck, dude. Like, Why? like kind of Brian of Taft's uh, yeah. agent. Good luck with that. Like, that's like. Everyone to him in the beginning, except for those couple of people. Boy, who were they wrong? Him. Yeah, you know, mm, the king. You told the king he had no aptitude for singing. Ha ha ha. Um, <laughs> now he marries people every single day. Oh, this music teacher that gave him a C also said that she agreed with that Elvis was right when he said that she didn't appreciate his kind of singing. So later in an interview, he'd be like, my music teacher fucking hated me. And then he'd be, she'd be like, I did. And I still think correct. (laughs) (laughs) That's correct. Um, He was usually too shy to perform. We knew that Um, a lot of people viewed him as a mama's boy. Okay. He's had a good relationship with his mom, I bet. Sorry. Um, So he starts practicing the guitar more. Um, He forms a loose music collective he began he and the thing I like too is he works a bunch of odd jobs. He's a normal kid in the fifties. Like yeah, painting fences. Um he was an usher at a theater. He worked at like a you. metal products. I wasn't an usher. I was oh. a box office. Okay, assistant. okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um during his junior year of high school, he began to stand out more among his classmates because of his appearance. He grew his sideburns, styled his hair yes. with rose oil and Vaseline. And then he said, I am not. I'm not afraid of the stage. I'm fucking hot. I'm Elvis goddamn Presley. Yeah. And I wear all white. And Fight it's me. Labor Day. And it's Labor Day. I don't know. <laughs> um, in his free time, he would head down to Beale Street, the heart of Memphis, their yeah. thriving blue scene. Um, he was wearing flashy clothes. Let's see here. Um, 
He starts performing at smaller venues. Um, where did he perform here? He performed in a minstrel show in 53 that really made him popular in mm-hmm. school. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, it was cute. Everyone was like, oh, so we see up. you, Elvis. Finally. After they were chuckling at him playing at lunchtime. Then he was cool. And then all of a sudden then people like, were like, private show. Private show. Um, so he he received no no formal music training. Everything is like a neighbor or a friend mm-hmm. showing him this stuff. And he couldn't read cheat music. He didn't know wow. how. Um, but he it's just played hard. by ear. And yeah, eventually, let's see here. He really loved the Southern gospel singer Jake Hess. So if I had to go back for another yeah. influencer, I'd do Jake Hess, whoever okay. he is. Didn't look into it. Um but in 1953, you know, Elvis has got a little hype about him. He goes to Sun Records. He wants to get a record deal. Yeah. So he pays out of pocket to record two songs. Um, and, like, the boss at Sun Records, Sam Phillips, was like, oh, he's, he sounds pretty good. Write that kid's name down. <laughs> Doesn't really do anything for a while, yeah. though. Um, so nothing is com- coming from Presley's Sun Records that he's paying for himself which is probably not very encouraging. Mm-hmm. He failed an audition for a local quartet. They oh, told him well, he could good. not sing. Um, <laughs> they told him he didn't have an ear for harmony. Um, so then he starts being a truck driver. Like, dude is just like, well, I'll hustle until like this music thing can take he off. He would look good in a hat. A trucker hat. sideburns, yeah. So then many auditions and rejections later, he ends up getting called back to the Sun Records office by Sam Phillips. And this is kind of weird. And so there's segregation at this time. Yeah. And what the Sun Records really wanted was a white man who sounded like a black man. Okay. Yeah. Horrible. But that's what they wanted. And I don't know if it had to do with like being able to play to white audiences in a segregated venue or something. Cause that's okay. That's a shitty thing. There are times in our history where America does not like black people, but they love black music. I mean, and it's still, we're now. still appropriate. Where it's, and it's still, and it's still a thing. Um, but that was the case here. And so he was like, we love this style, this like jazzy blues thing, mm-hmm. but we need a white man who's able to do it. And so he takes a chance on Elvis and, um, Things aren't really working until later in the evening. This like these band members he brought in with Elvis, like they're about to call it quits. And Aww. Elvis just like started jumping around, acting the fool while he sang. Okay. And then the bass player does the same thing. And the drummer does the same thing. And it works. And so the song they end up recording is That's All Right. Mm, okay. Which I think is a cover. Arthur, by originally from Arthur Crudup and they play it on the radio and it's so popular um this guy from Sun Records Sam Phillips plays it on repeat for two okay. hours oh my so god everyone can hear it that's me many times when I have a new song I'm like over over repeat, over, repeat. over. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's the first like I'm pretty sure John Lennon tuned in to hear that's all right. Oh my God. Like I think he heard the beginning and was like, who's this? And then it was weeks later that Elvis finally starts to make it international and international magazines and newspapers. So, mm. cool. Uh, so then this group that he records is that's all right with, they just kind of start playing. Um, so 
Elvis gets nervous and his legs start to shake. Are you kidding me? Yes. Okay. And it turns into a dance. I love that. I yes. did not he know. He goes nervous, but again, his sound he sounded good when he was acting the fool, bopping around, doing his thing. Like that maybe that was like his uh, coping mechanism. Yeah, like huh. instead of, you know, when you're public speaking, you rock back and forth. Mm-hmm. He was like, I'm going to shake my legs and my hips. Up oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And the women in the crowd go wild. Oh, God. And uh, yeah, they just went wild. And eventually, um, oh, maybe this happens later, but it made me laugh. Eventually, he performs <laughs> with a drummer who starts to drum in beat with like Elvis's hips like that's okay w- like that's how he's like he is starting to take yeah. more cues from I'm Elvis, visualizing it but he learned the drummer learned this technique from being a band member in strip clubs oh no which I think is shout so out funny. Derek Cece's <laughs> <laughs> boyfriend lives above a strip club yesterday was his birthday we're taking or I'm not taking <laughs> we are taking suggestions Derek got a cat Post He's already our- named the cat, Haley. Okay. I don't know. I don't approve of the name. <laughs> Juno's the I don't know. Maybe he'll rename it. It's not our name cat. Named after to decide. food. I mean, I don't know. It's his cat. Um, but so yeah, crowd's okay. going wild. And he grew more confident on stage. He starts to own his shaky legs, mm-hmm. starts to add some hips in there. Um, 1954, he performs on Louisiana Hayride. He was so mortified with more nerves that he struggled. Really? But then the second set, he comes back, has a great response. Um, Seems like he just has to like go wild. Yeah. Um, so finally, Hayride is like, we want you to perform every Saturday night. He get he trades his old guitar for a nice new one. Um, he's perf- he's like appearing on TV. Um, let me see here. So he by this time he's still only a regional star from Tennessee to West Texas. Like people probably know his name, but he's not the king yet. Yeah. Um, let me see you here. He signs a formal management deal. Formal management deal. Um. Let me see here. I think that the real allure, like, I mean, so much of it was his energy. Like, no one looked like him on stage. No one mm-hmm. was dancing like that, obviously, because people were, like, mortified by it. Um, let me see here. Oh, it was hard for his music to get played because he was kind of a mix of country and jazz, which later became the genre we know as, like, rockabilly. Mm-hmm. And so, like... um, Country music stations didn't want to play him because he sounded too much like a black artist. Gross. Okay. Um, and none of the blues stations. That is happening stations. right now with Lil yeah. Nas. Oh, really? And Old Town Road. Really? Yeah, because it's like rap and also country. And oh. it was at the head of the country charts. And every country fan was like, this is not country music. This is a black guy rapping. And then Spotify was like almost going to take it down. They're like, wait a second. No. Fuck you. Isn't that song like about to w- break records? It's like the m- been on the charts for the longest or something. I don't know. I've heard. Um, but yeah, and then uh, Blue Stations didn't want to touch him because he sounded too much like a hillbilly. So he's kind of in this weird, weird limbo here. Um, but so yes, he's got his management. Um, and as yeah, he's this is the same time as like Johnny Cash. And he's yeah. probably the head of the country chart. Yes. 
And um, so apparently, so of course, like women are already going crazy for his dance moves. Mm, yeah. Uh, apparently there's a quote that says, it was almost frightening the reaction that came to Elvis from the teenage boys. So many of them through some sort of jealousy would practically hate him. Mm. There were occasions in some towns in Texas when we'd have to be sure to have a police guard because somebody would always try to take a crack at him. They'd what? get a gang and try to waylay him or something. Like these boys are probably like, our Jealousy. girls, like yeah. they're screaming over him. Like get over it, bro. He's so, on TV. He doesn't care about your girlfriend. He's considered um, a country, like the country disc jockeys conventions, most promising male artist. Um, several companies want to sign with him, um, but he finally signs with RCA Victor. Um I don't have the year for this. Um, and bought his contract for from the Sun recording studio for like forty grand, which was Whoa. a ton of money back then. Um, so then he has his breakouts um when he records with RCA Heartbreak Hotel. Okay. Love that. Um and then he's on TV and when he's on TV. Oh, that's when you get all the tea. He goes on oh, yeah. Milton Burl's show. Yes. And that's the one where mm-hmm. people are like, this is not fit they, for TV. And then he literally gets filmed from the waist up. Yes. Censorship laws begin on TV. Like, yes. He gets a contract with Paramount Pictures to start appearing in films. Um Oh, this is funny. So the real call to censor him happened after a show in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Okay. Where an urgent message on the letterhead of the Catholic Diocese newspaper was sent to FBI director at the time, J. Edgar Hoover, and it warned that Presley is a definite danger to the security of the United States. His actions and motions were such as to rouse the sexual passions of teenage youth. After the show, more than 1,000 teenagers tried to gang into Presley's room at the auditorium. Indications of the harm Presley did just in lacrosse were the two high school girls whose abdomen and thigh had Presley's autograph. Mm-hmm. Oh, they would roll in their graves today. Oh my goodness. Okay. Different time. That's funny. Um, so yeah, so Milton Burl had insane like ratings. Like so many people are tuning in to see Elvis. Um and the real real bad performance was of Hound Dog, where he was doing this upbeat one. He yeah. sticks his arm out, it slows down, and the gyrating begins. <laughs> Women start screaming. Um, the New faint. York Daily News <laughs> says that popular music has reached its lowest lowest depths <sighs> in the grunt and groin antics of Elvis Presley. Can you believe people still do that? El- Remember Miley Cyrus? With the yes. VMAs? <laughs> you know what though? Robin Thicke. That was a little different because it's two I people. Mean, yeah. You know. Okay. It was like two people. I mean, I don't I, know. That's the modern day equivalent. Yes. Um, Ed Sullivan said he was unfit for family viewing. Yada yada yada. Um, he spent time in the U.S. Army and he served, oh, yeah. he could have served locally, I think, as um, in the special services. But his agent at the time, Parker, said he should serve like a normal GI. Those um, are the photos. And he looks so yes, handsome. No. <laughs> so he would get the respect of America. Because before that, all the conservative people are like, this gyrating fool. And now they're like, look at this young man. And like, oh, famous people can be drafted too. And yes, unlike to, Frank Sinatra, I think totally was drafted and totally was like, mm-hmm. "But I'm famous, yeah. don't make me do it." And then they did it, and people were like, "Excuse me, yeah, you're not above everyone." 
Um, so yeah, he spends time. He meets Priscilla, who's like fourteen, oh, super weird. Yeah. And while he's in the, I think he it's while he was a soldier that he started, um, taking a lot of drugs. Uh huh. Um, I forget which drug it was, but he was like, "This is this is the best thing since sliced bread." And he would like tell people like, "You should try this. It's oh. fantastic." And I'm sure people didn't know it was as bad back then. Like they weren't like. This is amphetamines. This will mm. destroy your life. I'm sure they're like, this is a slight medicine for, And know. it's like wherever they are in the world. Yes. Um, so, yeah, he served and he died. He died. Didn't he die of a heart attack in the bathroom? Yeah, I think the official thing was cardiac arrest. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, he permanently changed the face of American popular culture. He was we just some, some little, some little now- guy from a really low-income family. Just I know. Like, he really made it and he also persevered. Yes, because so many people were like, you can't sing or you're too vulgar. Like, even when he made it, people were like, you're too vulgar. You can't perform in half the venues. And and he was like, I don't care. I'm building my own house and this is my, what did he call it? Graceland? Graceland, yeah. He's like, this is my country. Yep. Leave me alone. <laughs> I like Priscilla, though. She has style for days, dude. Mm-hmm. And their daughter. Cute. Okay. Sorry, that was like five hours long. That's okay. I enjoyed it. I am happy to talk about Elvis and John all day long. Woo! Um, and Madonna. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So I literally, my section doesn't make any sense. It doesn't follow influences. I'm going to talk Haley. about- <laughs> I know. What is this podcast called even? It's called OG Influencers. All three of these guys were influencers. I know, whatever. I'm just, okay. It a little bit follows. I'm All the musicians died, who died on this day were influencers to countless other musicians. Is it like the 27 Club or like on one singular day they all died? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, what's the day? Can I guess? I mean, yeah. Well, like, can you tell me the day? Cause, like, it's February 3rd. Of what year? 1959. 1959? The day that music died. Okay. That was, I'm bad at humming, so. (laughs) Okay, so this is the day that music died. February 3rd, 1959. Rock and roll musicians Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and J.P. Richardson were all killed in a plane crash with the pilot. I don't know anything about this. Oh, my God. Okay, okay. So let me just do a quick little synopsis of all three of them, and then I'll get into the story. Okay. So Charles Harden Holly, Buddy Holly. He was known, yeah, known professionally as Buddy Holly. Holly. Oh, my gosh. Let me take a break. (laughs) He was an American musician and singer-songwriter who was a central and pioneering figure of the mid-1950s rock and roll. Along with Elvis, apparently. Um, he was born in Texas to a musical family during the Great Depression, and he learned to play guitar and sing with his siblings. Um, his style was influenced by gospel music, country music, and rhythm and blues, um, which he performed with his friends in high school. Cute. So Buddy Holly's huge at this time. Everybody is obsessed with him. Um, when he's in high school? No. In the 50s. Oh, okay. Um, Richard Stephen Valenzuela, who is Richie Valens, um, was an American singer-songwriter and guitarist. He was also a rock and roll pioneer. 
and a forefather of the Chicago rock movement. So mm. Midwest. Um, his recording career only lasted eight months and when he died in the plane crash. Oh, my oh gosh. shit. Did you know it was a plane crash? You already said it was. Okay. Um, he had several hits, most notably La Bamba. <gasps> I love Para that song. La Bamba, Una poca de gracia. I okay. remember singing that in Spanish. Yeah, everyone's always so impressed that I like know all the words, but I'm like, we, Mr. Andrus made us do it. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, and Giles Perry, J.P. Richardson Jr., known as the Big Bopper, which is like huge. Like everybody is like the Big Bopper. <laughs> That's the title of his Wikipedia page, not even his name. So <laughs> he was a musician, songwriter, and DJ, um, and he was he made some songs that like a lot of people made into hits. Mm -hmm. Um, they all die in a plane crash. Oh my gosh. So there, uh, this is a stupid question, but they're all on the same plane, right? Yeah. 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 With their pilot. What was the pilot? Do you know why? Are you going to tell me why the plane crashed? I mean, yeah, it's just interesting. It's just interesting. I, I've been listening to a lot of like crime podcasts and like history podcasts. So I just thought this would be fun. No, but like, why did it crash? Like, well, here's the whole okay, story because yeah. it's so sad and coincidental. So they're on this tour called the Winter Dance Party across the Midwest. <gasps> so that's us, along with Holly, Buddy Holly. He was with Richard Valens, the Big Bopper, and Dion DiMucci, and his band, the Belmonts. And they would travel across Minnesota, Iowa, Illinois, Ohio, and Wisconsin. Hey. hey. So logistically, it was a mess. It was insane. Mm-hmm. Whoever created this schedule did not confront a map, and they were zigzagging across the Midwest, which is bigger than a lot of people think. It's huge. Yeah. So on the tour, about the tour, um, Buddy Holly historian Bill Gregg said, they didn't care. It was like they threw darts at a map. The tour from hell. That's what they named it, and it's not a bad name. <laughs> so all of the men traveled together on one bus, and they were expected to load and unload at each stop. So, like, they were grinding. Wait, they, were they, very... had, to, they had to do all their gear, too? Yeah. And they oh, were, man, they no were huge. Oh, man, they roadies for that? Yeah. But it's, uh, like, one bus. And they're grinding. They are super famous, but they're still doing this. Um, the buses were not great. They were, like, school buses. So you're riding... It's not even like a luxury coach thing. No, um, and it's in the Midwest in February. So you can imagine all the issues. That'd be so cold. There were like, there's snow mm-hmm. everywhere. The buses are breaking down. Um, that guy Griggs estimated that five separate buses were used in the first 11 days of tour. And the buses were not equipped for weather. Man, who are the, I would be firing someone. Right? Who, who, what? This is Buddy Holly, everybody. Okay. Mm-hmm. So one bus's heating system broke down in Appleton, Wisconsin. A. And as a result, some of the men got the flu and one drummer was hospitalized for frostbitten feet. Oh, wait. Oh, hell is, no. That I was after breaking tour. down in Ironwood, Michigan, which is so weird because that's where my family had a house up there near there. So I, it's like I can imagine. It's so cold. I, I feel like people have canceled tours for like less. Oh, my God. Yeah. I wonder why they didn't cancel. Are they just really tough people? I don't frostbitten know. I mean, feet. It, it, like, people were more dedicated. Feet? Like, they were, they're men, you know, whatever. Men in the 50s. Like, I can't. I'm a man. 
I'm tough. Gender roles say I don't feel cold. Yeah. So my feet are falling off. Um, (laughs) So as the, I just got my horoscope. I'm going to read it. Oh, that's weird. I'm not saying it. Okay. (laughs) Um, So as the drummer was injured, they took over playing drums for each other, (laughs) which is funny. It's just like a motley crew. They're, the everything's going wrong. Everybody's getting hurt and getting sick. And they're it's like these famous people who are like literally playing for each other. They're in dance halls. It's called like the winter dance party. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, can you imagine like the first couple of shows that like El or not Elvis, the Beatles did where it's kind of like everyone dancing in a like mm-hmm. a venue, a small venue. Yeah. So it's like yeah. fun. Like people go. It's and across the Midwest. So you it's kind of a special them, treat. And stuff. And yeah. Yeah. So they, this is the beginning of the story. They drive 350 miles from Green Bay, Wisconsin to Clear Lake, Iowa. Um, Clear Lake was not a scheduled show, but they did it as a spontaneous edition. Oh, my God. So they're crazy, too. That's. Yeah. Oh. Well, that's their first problem. Don't go to Iowa. Okay. Maybe they're a bunch of yes men who, like, don't know how to say no. Like, you know, how you have to say I know, no. But people like they're entertainers. They want to put they got their name out. They want to meet their fans. You could say like next time. Let's My try God. again in April <laughs> when it's not. Yeah. Can we just frostbite <laughs> foot season? <laughs> yeah. So Buddy Holly arrived at the show and he was already frustrated with the problems with the bus. After the show, they he Buddy Holly decides to charter a plane to the next destination. So it was like kind of like a logistical thing where. Some of the band members, some of the people on the tour would take the bus. He was going to go to this place. I think it was called Moorhead, North Dakota or South Dakota. They were going to, well, because he got there earlier, he was going to take a nap and they were just going to pick him up on the way because it was only like, it was very close to there. Sure. So, it, I mean, it's all working out in his head. Um, the plane could only seat three passengers in the pilot, which <gasps> is so sketchy, dude. I... I'm sorry, but I'm never going to get on a helicopter and I'm never going to get on a private plane. Ever. Yeah, that sounds like one of those, like, biplanes. Like, yeah, my, small ones. But they're like, we can squeeze uh, two people in the yeah. back, I guess. My grandpa Charlie used to fly his own personal plane and it was just like this. It's like, I'm sketched out. Like Makes me think of Hatchet. Do you remember that book? No. He's flying over the oh, wilderness. Yeah. Mr. Fondor. Yes, okay. he read it to us. And, and it goes down. In these the are things wilderness. only we know. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Yeah, so don't get in vintage planes. They're old. Mm-mm. They're done flying, okay? Mm-hmm. God. Okay, so because Richardson had gotten the flu from being in the cold, he asks Holly's drummer, Jennings, for his spot on the plane. And to this, Holly, buddy Holly, because Jennings is in Holly's band, he says, well, I hope your old bus freezes up. And Jennings replies, well, I hope your old plane crashes. Ah, uh, which was ill-fated, and he, apparently it haunted him for the rest of his life. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so you'd feel like a jerk. It's like for a joke, forever. you know. It's like, uh, you know, you feel like a jerk for forever, though. I know. It's just I feel bad because it's just a joke. Yeah. Um, Valens and another one of Holly's band members. Okay, so basically, Holly ap- reportedly said, "Like, listen, we are the ones making the money. We're Buddy Holly and my band. You know, like, let's go on the plane together." So all these. So it was kind of like circumstance that these guys were on the plane. So Valens and this guy, Elsip, flipped a coin to decide who got the last seat. And that decided yeah. their lives 
Wow. And Valens won the toss, and it was probably to his dismay because he was afraid of flying. Isn't this insane and sad? How close you are to living. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Man, fate is whack. I think fate's real. Well, duh. Yeah. Oh, some people don't. Some people think it. nothing (sighs) is set to happen. I don't know. God, that's so scary. We have no idea what's going on ever. So after the show, they go to the airport. The weather was light snow, and the winds were 20 to 30 miles an hour. And there was low visibility. It's like. So sketch. Who Less gets in a plane like that? Yeah, Be- but they were so frustrated with the pl- with the bus or whatever. So traffic control guy watched the plane take off, and he watched the taillight disappear from view. Um, he failed to make contact with them around one a.m., but he waited until nine thirty a.m. to go and retrace the path. He's like, "Well, I haven't communicated with them, but I'll just wait like eight and a half hours." go off he's probably sleeping i don't know dude so at let me wake from my nap shortly after he leaves at 9 35 he spots the wreckage and it was only six miles from the airport oh their destination or no, from the, where they took that's off. where the wreckage was. oh my gosh so it was that bad that fast yeah which is i think no, like common in plane crashes where it's like issues happen at takeoff or landing oh there's a yes. plane going by <gasps> that was sketchy was that was that a definitely plane? a truck okay well um i'm trapped in my own mind uh (laughs) so they the plane was only six miles away from the airport and the flight path says it banked to the right and nosedived and then it kind of flipped through cornfield and then ended up at a fence where it kind of like stopped what a nightmare and they all died instantly also there was like a rumor that there was a gunshot like there's all these conspiracies of course there was a rumor that there was a gunshot because the farmer who owned the land went back like six months later and found a gun that belonged to Buddy Holly. And they were like, oh, my God, there's casings. But that like later on, one of their bodies got moved, um, like exhumed and moved for like burial reasons. And they had another autopsy performed. And he was like, there's no way there. He doesn't have any lead in him. He. All his bones are broken. He died from the plane crash. So sad. Yeah. Also, there's these really morbid photos that I was not expecting. So I, I was looking at it up and I was like, buddy, Holly, death. And literally, they have pictures of their bodies laying in the cornfield. Like, it's not gruesome. There's no blood or anything. But it's like, holy shit. You just see them, like, slumped over. Like, they're just lying face down in the field. And then oh there's God. the plane in the back. It's like, who? And it was printed in newspapers and stuff. That's messed up. Elvis yeah. Presley, um... Some tabloid paid his cousin to take a picture of his dead body or something. <gasps> and he did. Oh, I think I've seen that picture. That's so messed up, I though. can't believe it. Really, you're going to get bought for, like... Like, I'm... Uh, it was a like, lot of I'm money a, for the time, but... Everyone's... Up, like, humanity is obsessed with death because it's, like, scary or something. Yeah. But, like, I just don't want to see a dead body. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Um. So, yeah, they all died instantly following the plane crash. Holly's wife... Um, was informed of his death and well actually she was informed of his death via TV like she found out on TV she was pregnant and she later suffered from a miscarriage which they said was like psychological I'm sure psychologically driven too, yeah. yeah oh my gosh yeah. can you imagine having to find that out from TV and being well, like is this true is this tabloid journalism yeah. like is there after this happened a policy was adopted by authorities to not disclose victims names until after their families have been informed 
So that was the reason. Oh my gosh. And that's just how it is now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she, it was so sad. She like blames herself. She was like, if I was there, I, I told him not to go on tour. And if I was there, he never would have got on the plane. I'm like, I feel so bad for like survivors. Yeah. So they, that's the day that music died. They were all hugely influential. Um, the accident is famously referred to in the day that music died and Don McLean's 1971 song, American Pie. So what year did the plane go down? Uh, 1959. 59. Oh. February 3rd. Um, and, I mean, Buddy Holly is still famous today. Weezer talks about him in that song. We're so good at that. Yeah. So that's my whole story. It's pretty short, but I, and it's not really close to our normal timeline, but. Dang. Isn't that so, isn't, it's like, it's just an interesting story. Uh-huh. Of course. Well, I guess in like a weird way, like so circumstantial that it's scary. Yes. And like God, just the, the coin flip is what's scary to me. Mm-hmm. That, that could have been really, I mean, that could have been like almost anyone literally on the tour. A coin flip. And if those buses, like literally if the tour had happened a month later, it would have been less cold. It would be March. It would be closer to spring. If they had spring. normal if, buses. like Yeah. If they, yeah. There was this other guy. I don't. I don't exactly remember the story, but basically one of the band members was like, can I take your spot? And he was like, no, it costs $36 like a person. He's like, oh, my God, that's my parents rent. I'm not doing that. So he didn't go on. Wild. It's like it's like very scary. And it ended up being all the leads on the plane, all the lead singers. So. Wicked. Mm-hmm. And that whole event inspires Don McLean. And multiple other songs. It's like it's like huge in the industry, but I don't. Yeah. Like everyone refers to it. It's like so sketchy. Because yeah. Buddy Holly, he was very famous, but it was also like kind of the beginning of something. Whereas like if he would have lived, there would be we would know him more. Yeah. We, would, we would think of him like we think of Elvis and Johnny Cash and you know. Icon. Yeah. And Buddy Holly was like infamous for his Wayfair glasses. Yeah. So, like, near where the plane crashes, there's, like, a statue of them. Mm. But, like... That's in... Wait. It's so in they Iowa. took off from Iowa? Okay. Heading to North Dakota. Yeah. Didn't make it. You know what's wild? You could literally land anywhere in North Dakota. It's so flat. I know. <laughs> well, where they crashed, anywhere. it was yeah. flat, too. It was a frozen cornfield, so it's hard yeah. as asphalt. Isn't that insane? Yeah. It's a sad story, but... Mm-hmm. Mm. OG influencers. Yeah. Making people cry. <laughs> um, those guys were all influencers to I mean, founders of rock and roll. Yeah. It's just crazy how it works. Like they I guess I don't know. It's just fate who lived and who died. Yeah. You Which could have sad to say, but they you could, died. you know, be Madonna living into a nice Old age, you'd be John Lennon standing in the archway of your apartment. Yeah. Um, but this stuff happens to a lot of people, and we don't talk about it. Yeah, they like, just get the attention because they're famous. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, everybody, everyday people experience the same weird, like, twists of fate and like final destination like things yeah. where it's like that is such an unusual way to go. It's almost like that had to be planned. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that's I don't know. That's how we think of it. Yeah. After the fact. Yeah. 
Versus like statistically, I mean, so many people get shot, and planes go down. People who's on those planes, yeah. you know, no one thinks people it's have them. A, everybody has a heart attack. That's like the number one cause of death. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that was today's episode. It kind of ended on a sad note. It did a little bit, but we don't s- look up the picture. Like you can, it's really not that gruesome. Like I didn't have a problem looking at it, but it's also like oof. Like realizing, maybe, yeah, maybe if you're expecting it, it's a little better. Yeah, there is your content warning. Yeah. Oof. Okay. Well, I guess we'll hear from you, or you'll hear from us. Yeah. Or we'll hear from you if you comment <gasps> on our Facebook page yeah, and like, request some artists, people, and comment whatever you want Derek to name his cat. Oh my gosh, Haley, he's named his cat. <laughs> Literally, this is going to be... This is so bad. This episode will air like next, next Wednesday. He will have that had cat this cat. No, its name. He will have had this cat for three weeks, almost. Also, um, shout out to Alonzo. Yeah, shout out to Alonzo. He texted me. He was really sad when we he's missed our friend. that one week. And we and just want to say we fan. appreciate your long time listening. We love you. We love you. Okay. All right. Sorry. Shout out to everybody else, too. Yeah. <laughs> if you like our podcast, let us know so we can shout you out. Otherwise, we don't know you like it, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. I just assume it's just, like, my mom and, like, a few other people. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. my friends. Let I us know. Friends let us know. Cool. Okay. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Um, You can follow us wherever you're listening. Oh, rate and review because that really helps us out. Yeah. On Apple Podcasts. Do Tell it your friends. There. About this, um, like us on Facebook, listen every other Wednesday, and that was OG Influencers. Thanks. I'm still Haley. I'm still Cece. And we yeah, we look forward to podcasting to you in the future. <laughs> Bye. Bye.